Hello everyone. Welcome to the Sports Lost Edge podcast. My name is Tushar Katheria and first of all happy new year to everyone. So we are starting our new uh, a new episode with one of the special guest uh, Professor Nishan Shekhan who is the uh, associate professor in AVIL Chennai. He is one of the triarchy of uh, Indian three sports law professor who are working first was the uh, professor Subrajit Chanda second was professor Tarun and third finally we get the time to uh, having on board professor Nishant in our uh, podcast session for so professor Nishant first of all welcome to the sports law stage podcast how are you uh thank you so much to shah for inviting me and having me today and uh, and again one more thank you for that generous introduction calling me the triarchy and and you know uh, one of the few who are doing something on uh, sports law in india I- i'm doing pretty fine and also again uh, happy new year to everyone uh, to all the listeners and for all the support which they have been showing to this particular podcast it has been amazing to see you uh, have different kind of people from various backgrounds in sports law it has been it has been absolutely amazing so yeah thank you so much for your kind words professor so let's move on to our first question so how is the journey started uh, from jindal global law school to the sports legal industry as how the transition happened for you okay so j- just a small clarification um, because not everyone knows uh, this thing like my journey into sports law happened a sports per se has been going on throughout my life uh, if i talk about you know since when i started thinking on my own that is the point where my journey into sports started i i used to play throughout the day playing cricket football volleyball basketball i went into all kinds of game which i could get my hands on right uh, i i remember one instance if if time allows i would like to share uh where sure. you know like uh, in our childhood we have these games right where all the friends are uh, grouping together and coming together to play certain games on a sunday morning so it used to happen for me as well i used to go for morning games then me being me i was not at all satisfied by only playing one game right i would then go to my next friend's house then i'll go to next friend's house so my morning to evening used to be football cricket and volleyball and my parents would be very very scared of okay where's our child where's our kid has anyone kidnapped him right. it happened one time that they went to a police station and they filed an fir saying oh. that okay our our kid uh, is lost please go and and you know find him and i think it is it is vivid in my memory i was coming back home that specific day all happy that okay i've played a lot <laughs> it was a very good day and i saw police officers and my dad my mom they all were worried standing outside the house waiting or you know trying to gather what is happening then then uh, that's the i think only time i got a booking from my parents that <laughs> okay it is okay you play but still uh, don't get this much into it so again uh, just to shorten my answer it has been throughout then i uh, went to op jindal global university that that particular university i'm thankful for um, you know everything it has given to me it has literally transformed my life from a sports person to who i am today as an individual who never or who did not know anything about how the society works or what is the background behind uh, the sports who does it what does it take to even you know organize a simple tournament 
so right. that again i was introduced to different kind of sports again i got into my same routine of playing sports sports and sports then one day suddenly um one person came to my came into my life as my professor nothing else <laughs> so uh, professor shon star i think everyone knows uh, right. professor shon star and he has been those one of those individuals you know who has brought or who has transformed indian sports law uh, arena how it works and the kind of people who are now involved in it has i think he has a major role uh, in it so he introduced me to sports law during my undergrad and then again i went back to jindal for my first masters which is um, llm there also then i had that advanced sports law uh, course with him so the journey kind of started from there and then i never looked back started working with different companies started working with um, let's say as a consultant small time consultant where i would go to smaller leagues uh, in india like i would go to where district matches are happening for cricket i would go and talk to coaches i would go and talk to players and then sort of from the ground it all started for me absolutely it's really great to know about your journey because as a, we are, we are from india and usually what happened we don't have the accessibility of the open grounds and usually what happened we didn't tell our parents that we are we going to play our uh, matches so ultimately we already got whipped so much in our childhood so yeah it's a, it's a, the thing that we as a indian uh, people who are played the such kind of a sports whether it's cricket or football and these are things which are we should we all get used to it because there's so many things which happen in our life but a sport is something which all which help us out to disassociate from the school so that really help us out from that so yeah so let's move on to the next question so you went to the is de barcelona campus and you completed your global masters in sports management and legal skill how was your experience uh, was there and uh, what is de uh, add up the value in into the sports legal industry so yeah, yeah uh, interesting so um, is de is one of a kind place uh, which could exist uh, in this or education industry basically not the sports industry but in the education industry back then i remember uh, back then the owners then owners of isde or the people behind creation of uh, isde uh, daniel pinto i remember talking to him vividly about what is the idea behind it and how or what they exactly are trying to do so it's a conglomerate of different law firms which came together and you know sort of built it up from ground how does it work in india it is just a university backed by government right. or any private organization or a research fund or something like that right but it is totally different there uh, it is it is the practitioners who are there in the industry they came together and built it even if i talk about the course course is built on one idea and one idea only which is that all the courses will be taught by the practitioners for example if there is a course on football law someone from fifa someone from barcelona football club barcelona or any other club they'll come and teach us what happens on the ground how do they negotiate contracts how does it happen not in theory but in practice everything is about practice and uh, i think you would also know and everyone who is in the industry would appreciate the importance of networking in the sports right. industry right you cannot like this is something a tip i usually give it to all my students that if you want to join or if you want to get into this particular industry even if you do not know the law properly even if you do not know okay the sports regulations of a particular sports it you will get it eventually yeah. but the 
way to start is to network to know more and more and more people because it is a very closely knit society and that is how things operate in sports and not beyond and not beyond at all right it is all about inclusivity but it is a closed space unfortunately so right. we have a, a, the idea behind is now to expand it in the asian market which is it, it is happening but uh, with respect to his day it gave me um, everything with respect to sports law the kind of courses now i am curating places i am working it mm. all has been because of his day and obviously the vision daniel pinto had but now he has moved on to ittii and again ittii is also trying to do mm. something on the similar lines but on the like much better platform they are giving with respect to you know esports they are now totally focused on esports so i think that is also something which is worth uh, checking out yeah and you talk about because a lot of our guests uh, are the alumni of the is day though i'm not uh, went to this day still now but uh, the thing of what you talk about the networking part and it is completely true that uh, a sports industry which is a closed market uh, and for that if you want to work into that industry you should do the networking from the first day onwards whenever you step into the ground and whether you working as a as a small to paralegal or even as that you have to do the networking and it is completely true that uh, networking really help you out to get the that kind of opportunity especially in the sports legal industry and for that i think from the last two years what i have done doing the networking is the best thing that you can get connected with the people who are working in there so like uh, i met uh, one of the great people from the sports legal industry like roshan gopalakrishna who is a uh, working uh, in the law in k jesse ing ingelhart who is uh, i think through i uh, posting one of the post Yeah, Sansato, and Deepre is someone who is one of the few people from India who established himself into the European market and working as a sports lawyer. So networking is one of the key ingredient and criteria which you should have possessed from the first day if you wanted to work into the sports legal industry. So yeah, let's move on to the our uh, next question. So you work as a lawyer and as a legal consult consultant and as an academician. Which role did you enjoy the most? i think um i think um i when i when i always you know think about my journey and all the kind of different roles which are i have been uh, in i am divided like i am partial towards each uh, role which is there because every kind of a role for example uh, being a consultant or being a lawyer and now an academician holds a very special um, you know sp- space in my life and and i would not have been again like you talking about who i am today has been because of the journey i have had and not because okay suddenly one day i just thought of becoming an academician and that is it but uh, if i were to talk about one of these roles i think i would i would go ahead with the academic part of it not just because i get to express uh, myself here because that is what academics does it right it gives you a platform to express yourself as an individual as a professional but also the kind of interaction you get to have with the next coming generation or people who are now looking up to you like how i used to look up to shon star or anyone in the particular field now they are looking up to us and looking for that particular guidance so that is something which is very uh satisfactory and also pushes you to do better be more passionate about when you look at these kids are uh, although i am also young i would like to mention her but still uh, that that is uh, something which is which is very close to the heart and my word goes to academics 
Great. So, um, uh, let's move on to this, some of the international and Indian sports. What happening in the into the Indian sports? So, recently, government of India they released the notification in regards to the esports, and they are recognizing as a multi-sport. However, uh, if you if you see the notification, which is was released by the government of India three three weeks prior, and we they didn't uh, show the data and any kind of research material which can really back such kind of notification. What are your views on such kind of issues and the future of esports? Because in the next coming years, we will see that a lot of the metaverse game will also come into the picture, and a lot of the tournament will be happen. And we still don't know about the the past game like BGMI, which got banned. And uh, some of the games are doing really great, like Pokemon Unite, Valorant, FIFA is something that most of the esports athlete, athletes are coming on board and they are representing India at the international events like Saranj Jain, Charan Jyot, Lokmanyu. These all are the athletes who are pre- uh, right now representing India. So yeah, your views on that. Um, so I have a mixed feeling about it, although I'm a person who always looks at the glass half full and not half empty. But with respect to this notification, a lot of the professionals and people who are in the industry or who are looking forward to such a notification are taking it as it being recognized and suddenly, you know, a regulation coming out. But what exactly does it talk about? It only talks, it has assigned a particular ministry to be the stakeholder in it and which is now further going, like moving forward, they are going to control each and everything which is in in respect to esports, right? And now afterwards, they have released certain draft regulations for which now they are expecting comments from the industry experts in it. But if we were to try to understand the esports or gaming, online gaming industry, yeah. and that to skill-based online gaming industry, I would not, let's say, comment on the other part of it because mm. it gets into betting and it get, gets into gambling. That is a different, uh, let's say, ball game altogether. But okay. if we talk about skill-based online gaming and online gamers, most of the gamers are not even aware whether there is a regulation which exists. Mm. If they are aware about it, for example, a person who is just playing a game on his or her mobile phone or playing Dream 11 or playing any other skill-based game, they're not aware their state is whether regulating it, whether the mm. state is going to ban it. And it has a direct impact on their livelihood because it is not about the professional esports player because for them, it is clear that this is the career path they have chosen. They have a... Right professional team and they have sponsors as well, right? But not for the other side of the gamers, not for the other side of the gamers. For them, it could be where they have one stream of income, but they are using it as a separate stream of income as well. Hmm, But then if you look at certain notification from various states in the country in India, where it falls under list two of the constitution, where they Mm -hmm. get to form certain regulations on it. Those regulations are straight away putting them in the category of criminals. If they are earning money because Mm, of it or they are putting money on it, although it is a skill-based game, but still they are not allowed to do it. They are criminals. Right now I'm based out of Tamil Nadu. I have to first think before whether I would play FIFA online in a competition where I'm putting money on it and I'm earning earning money out of it because I'm Mm -hmm. very good at it. Like throughout my life, I've played FIFA and I still continue to play. From 2016 to 2023, all the versions, I've played more than 1,000 games per version, right? Now for me to shift to Chennai, 
it becomes a problem and mm. now i'm thinking whether i should you know move away from chennai just because i'm not able to follow my passion and i'm not able to follow that side stream of income which i used to have but i mm. do not have right now right apart from this like again there are a lot of issues which needs to be addressed before we start calling it a recognized sport although although the government is making those efforts on the positive side if i were to talk about it it is definitely like you mentioned it is definitely going to provide a platform to different different kinds of games to come up it is going to open up various fields mm. where people can be involved in it is not just going to be limited to technology right now it is now going to open each and everything each and every aspect for anyone or everyone who is involved in the industry right new kinds of games are going to come up new kinds of positions or new kinds of career choices are going to come up. but again is indian society ready to accept it as a let's say separate field of or separate career choice for their kids because right. you me everyone knows if you are playing too much every day what are your parents that smaller society which exists within the society right. what are they going to talk about it whether they are going to allow you to do it or not if that restriction is there right in your family because the family does not understand the nature of the game they see it as a distraction from our typical line of career which is education i'm not right. saying that do not do that my advice is always to all the gamers is that focus on your education and along with it follow follow this as a career path as well then for example if you talk about card games right mm, for example right. you talk about poker if specifically poker if a, an individual who do not understand poker they deem it as um, that it is gambling or you are right. putting money and it is a game of chance but it is a game of skill right you have to predict mm. you have to your certain strategies thinking about what is the next card going to be and what is the combination of the cards which is right. going to be there so that way it becomes that skill but again as a person who is logging in the morning in in mm. any online platform and he is playing or she is playing till night how right. is the society perceiving them so all mm. these are questions needs to be addressed by the government and then only we can think about a solution for this particular field. and then only it can progress and obviously it is going to progress but i hope it is not like china where china mm. has very strict regulation where they control the number of hours you are playing right the number of hours you are training so i think this is a very positive step when they are inviting comments from the industry experts from everyone that okay you give us your ex- uh, comments and then uh, only we are going to go ahead with it so it's a mm. nice it's a good positive step but a lot of questions needs to be answered a lot of, a lot of research has to be there although we are calling it sports although mm. we are calling them athletes but if you compare it to our conventional sports right there mm. is a regulatory body which controls each and everything and the rights of the players athletes mm. are being protected but is it the same case when we talk about esports or gaming like i'll use these words interchangeably although they are not but i'm just using those interchangeably mm-hmm. so my answer is again it is a glass half full half mm. empty 
if these questions along with numerous others if they are answered then again a very positive step but hopefully not on the lines of china but more like mm. i think korea or usa how these countries have been doing in the past right absolutely i completely agree with you and my views on this because i wrote one of the paper in, into the esports and the one thing which is very concerning because the it's a very volatile market because every uh, every time what happen in one month an esports athlete is uh, playing for the one organization and in the another month or after two months there can be dispute between that team organization with the athlete and he can get the transfer into the another esports organization which shall be regulated because the frequent transfer can be a very big problem for the esports organization because they are also uh, they are also investing in the athletes as well as they have to also see the name name image and likeness policy because we already saw that how us has already evolved their nil policy and in esports we don't know about it that how we have to protect the data and how we have to protect the name image and likeness of the esports athlete so uh, 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 and the one advantage that can i gave you uh, that i can see after this notification the visa policy because what happened with the esports athletes they didn't get the visa very easily and because of the process of the the policy that government had prior to this notification it's very difficult to uh, to get to retrieve the visa from the visa officers and from the embassies so after this notification maybe government is planning to implement the more uh, they will focusing on how they will provide the visas to the other embassies for the other countries because lots of lot of the athletes does go into the international events in in the uk in europe in us as well as in the eastern world like south korea japan because a lot of the tournament which happen in, in that hemisphere so yeah Yeah, so, exactly. Ah, uh, just on the visa part, I would like to add that you know when we are specifically talking about athlete and esports mm-hmm. athlete comparison, so athletes they straight away get it because it's a temporary visa which is given to you to play a certain tournament. For example, a World Cup, Asia Cup, any cup. These are smaller, right? It is for a month mm-hmm. or two months maximum, and not going beyond that. So most of the countries have laws where you don't need that work permit. to go right. and work for your country because that is what you are doing you are representing your country and you are going there and with respect to esports as well they are just going to consider and insert it into the same category as far as i am aware i am not sure on it it is already there for the gamers if you are going abroad to play any tournament like dota or anything which is happening in any other country right you fall under that and you straight away get your visa and and there's less problem compared to mm-hmm. visa and that is also like again it is going to be a very smart move on the uh, part of the teams which are going to hire because what they right. do is they get into two types of contract one is contract for the authorities and second is a private contract between two parties so what they do right. is they will offer you a two three year contract to the that private contract Longer and the other contract right and the other contract is going to be for three months which is for the mm. authorities where you temporarily go and play and there's no work permit required because you right. fall under that tournament category Exemption. and you can just, right. yeah you can just go and play and over the time they'll just get the visa so that is how they are they have been circumventing and they will be circumventing such a law absolutely i think this happened with the godlike esport i think last year in 2021 when they were uh, went to the this uh, pubg global championship at that time and we had this podcast with uh, abhishek sharma who is a sports agent and he is also focusing in the esports athlete so this this happened with the indian esports athlete because they didn't get the uh, visa on time and because maybe because at that time market were opening at that time 
after the pandemic so because of that only such scenario can happen so let's see what will happen in the coming months that what the next notification would be because i think in the budget session maybe they will discuss on that or maybe in the monsoon season so let's see so let's move on to our next question so finally cristiano ronaldo get a try <laughs> went to the al nasser football club in saudi arabia and he already get a transfer deal which we predicted with deep ray who is one of our prior guest in this podcast uh, how this transfer will make an impact into the middle east uh, region and most of the people uh, don't know about the how the middle east region work in the football industry so how it will be one of the biggest step that happened also in the us when they signed the pele and david beckham and how the valuation of the uh, uh, major league soccer evolved at that time so yeah yeah interesting so um, when we talk about cristiano ronaldo like as you saw it puts a huge smile on my face because me being a cristiano ronaldo fan but also um I am a bit sad about how the World Cup turned out to be. Because, again, mm. being a Ronaldo fan, and I would have, or let's say, I would have liked it the other way around, where Ronaldo was winning it and everything was coming to him. But again, that's a sad story, and let's not get too much into it because otherwise we'll be derailed. But I'll definitely come back to Messi because when you are talking about Ronaldo, you cannot, cannot not talk about Lionel Messi, right? So yeah. that is a thing. But if I were to talk about this specific uh, deal. with a uh, saudi arabian club al nasser i have a, a bit different perspective from how uh, everyone has been predicting sure it is going to uh, improve the standards of football as we saw in syria and, and also the eyes of the world towards it right all that let's say people are now going to start watching at least few people are now going to start watching and it is definitely going to drive sponsorship it is going to drive everything towards it is going to Im- improve the standards of the league but these are the right. things i think everyone has been talking about for me it is it is a larger concern if i were to talk about like we saw in the world cup right qatar world cup if you again go back 8 to 10 years tracing back the history what qatar has been doing and what saudi arabia also has been doing these countries have been always been criticized because of their human rights violations or the violations mm. with respect to lgbtq plus community right? right and they have these soft power ambitions if i am talking about soft power ambition it means that instead of taking the conventional international relations route to mm. change their world perception they are doing it through sports they are attracting all the mega events so that they are able to change their specific or they are able to hide the kind of negatives which are attached to these countries right that's what qatar did by attracting fifa world cup there but what is the problem there fifa it being an international governance body not just a gatekeeper of football it could have acted as a gatekeeper of the human rights as well right for the um lgbtq community and also the migrant workers which are there because right. as as a governing body they have the right to put sanctions and they have the right to even take it back from a country like this but they mm-hmm. did not do that question is whether fifa is able to do that they are we saw it in the 2019 women's world cup where mm. it was termed as one of the most gayest world cup like it has been i saw i read it somewhere that it has been the termed as the gayest world cup ever where 
it had most number of openly gay players which were there right and the rights were protected players were allowed to support it publicly the fans mm-hmm. were allowed to celebrate it publicly right fifa was involved fifa did not mm-hmm. do anything about it because fifa supported it it is right, right. there in their statutes the article 3 of the statutes straight away talk about that they are going to recognize each and everything which is their international laws international human rights law and everything so right. it can act as a you know, amnesty international which is supposed to be the gatekeeper of the international human rights fifa mm-hmm. has that potential whether they are ready to use that soft law versus the soft law soft power ambitions of countries like south saudi arabia or not because let me tell you come back to lionel messi they have now i think it it happened a few months back where lionel messi is also now a global ambassador for saudi arabia right. he is earning somewhere around 22 25 million now ronaldo is earning this much so they mm-hmm. are bringing the arguably the top two players of our generation to mm-hmm. saudi arabia and attracting all kind of positive press which is attached to it mm-hmm. so apart from the footballing ambitions i think they are trying to hide what is happening or what has been happening throughout with respect to the rights mm-hmm. and ronaldo is expected to let's say point these out but i am not sure whether he is going to do that or whether mm-hmm. he will be able to do that because he is not married till yet yeah whether right. whether saudi arabia is now going to bend their laws for they are so- they are bending Yeah, they. I think. I think. Yeah, like you said, they are going to bend it, right? So that way, if they are doing such things for Ronaldo, and Ronaldo in turn turns around and does it, so that is not going to be a positive uh, collaboration mm-hmm. for both the parties. And then there are speculations whether there are clauses in his contract or not. I think mm-hmm. that that is all speculation because of all the Saudi Arabia connection between Newcastle and. um al nazar but uh, let's see let's see what happens in the future but that is specifically my take that is what i think these countries are trying to do which is sport which is known as sports washing like through uh, sports they are washing their uh, as a dirty laundry if i were to say right because uh, right now we also saw that in america they have world racing entertainment a uh, sporting entertainment um we can call it as a very uh, entertainment side of it and they already had a deal with the wwe and every year they having a this mega event in the saudi arabia and which is also come under the bracket of the sport washing in regards to that and i think you i, I completely agree with you that what the things which happen in the middle eastern countries and uh, the laws which they follow because they follow the islamic law the shariat law which they follow and they are completely abide by it but right now we already talk about that um, because um, in saudi arabia they um, the men cannot stay or live in do live in relationship with the another women but for the cristiano ronaldo they are bending the law so let's see what will happen in the coming months because i think uh, such kind of deal uh, can become the sports washing deal in coming So I think it is more than about football. Uh, there are, like I said, there are different agendas at play. Mm, uh, right. And it could also be termed as their way of, you know, building themselves up for the 2030 bid. Right. For the, for the FIFA World Cup as well as for the, I think they will also try 
trying to get to the uh, uh, summer olympic games maybe but i'm not sure about it but they are focusing the next move would be the fifa world cup what uh, what um, this uh, david beckham done uh, for when he joined the mls and right now he having his own club inter miami and uh, successfully america got the bid a for the ne- for the next next world cup Right. So exactly this this deal has that potential of turning Saudi Arabia into next MLS right because MLS is now considered as a decent league where very right. good players are coming up for example your um, i think what's his name who plays for Bayern Munich um, Alfonso Davies yeah Alfonso Davies like him and there are a lot a lot of options although i'm not aware but i keep reading that players used to like it used to be a retirement home for the players but now right. it is it is turning the waves and the younger players from mls are now moving towards europe right and with respect to uh, one more thing i would like to say that it can be a political uh, debate or international law debate where you know right. the europeans or that particular side of the world mm-hmm. talks about the violations of lgbtq right. rights but if you look at it they are in the minority they are mm. in the minority and the kind of laws qatar or saudi arabia is following it is in the majority so other side mm. of the argument would be that i just wanted to specify that there are two sides of the argument and not just that qatar and saudi arabia are in the wrong but mm-hmm. it's it's about the perspective from which side you are looking at absolutely so yeah uh, let's move on to the next question in regards to the indian football region so uh, in india we saw that uh, that football culture is not that great if you compare with the other asian countries like japan or south korea and recently we didn't get the spot for the afc champions league and uh, and now we have to play the the challenger trophies which uh, a qualifying process we have to go through it so that our team like bangalore fc hyderabad fc the icl clubs can get uh, the spot in that um Uh, and recently we saw that st- the uh, delhi government and santosh trophy saga happened and the football delhi they needed the fund of 15 lakh rupees but due to some technical technicality into the uh, maybe in the negotiation deal um, the government of delhi is not uh, going to help to fund the group stage matches for the santosh trophy Uh, so uh, how what are the things that uh, if we want to play with the top teams and we have to qualify for the fifa tournament what are the things that we have to do so that we can play with the top teams like australia is playing under the afc region japan and south korea so that we can compete with that kind of team and we can qualify for the uh, fifa world cup in the near future because right now yesterday the uh, aiff they released a notification 2047 goal because they are trying to implement a new policies in that so what do you want to say about it i think uh, at least i see it as an eye opener and a positive thing for india um, right. because like whenever we, we just let's say take a history book open it up indian football history and look at india's performance has yeah. it been up to the par where we should be entitled to a direct yeah. spot in a tournament which is now being called as afc championship or champions league right then afc yeah. cup and the third tournament is now going to come up and i think 2024 is the time where it is going to start from right? Mm-hmm. right so considering india's performance in the past i think um, it is a right move and india deserves to be there deserves to be 
where you know we will have to work towards qualifying and it is it is going to have a positive impact on the kind of standards we need to raise as a country mm-hmm. as these clubs because competition if the competition is not there we as a country are never going to play in the world cup mm-hmm. it will never happen if if we keep on relying on a direct spot in our regional league and and just keep playing it because we are entitled because we are that you know big of a country not mm-hmm. in sports but but just just at internationally right so mm-hmm. that is one aspect of it but if if i were to talk about the internal part of it with respect to santosh trophy or the kind of corruption which lies not with respect to delhi government or with not respect to santosh trophy but let's say how fifa also ended up banning us with respect to third party Aye. influence which is there fstl yeah exactly right so even before pointing fingers towards that indian players are not doing that there is a systematic mm-hmm. corruption which has to be cured in right. the industry as you can see you can you can learn from um bcci you can learn from mm-hmm. how ipl has been the transformation in the indian uh, cricket scenario right, right. amazoni came up and not just because of ms dhoni although the credit goes to the guy and he has been i think 60 70% responsible for it hmm. but it the rest of the criteria or let's say rest of the what do you call it <laughs> i'm i'm looking for the word but let's say the credit goes to um how the as the country and our legal system was able to cure hmm. ipl and cure bcci of corruption and different mm-hmm. uh, systematic changes were there so on the same lines if we are able to do it in the indian football industry as well and the third point would be like you know you must have seen it in the movies you must have seen everywhere and i have myself felt it and experienced it where i have seen a lot of very good players throughout right. my life uh, throughout my life i've been playing football at university level at university national levels and we go and see you know the kind of players who are playing with like enormous talent we had mm-hmm. that if you remember that futsal tournament where neymar where uh, your ronaldinho came in a lot of right. my friends with whom i used to play they ended up playing in futsal as their replacements not direct players but as their replacements so it is not that we do not have talent but do we have that scouting network which mm-hmm. exists for example in europe for example usa where all the players are chosen from the school high school right. your uh, then the upper level the scouts are there and you don't have to you know struggle for it you don't have to struggle to get right. a scholarship because in india throughout it has been about whether you choose education or you choose sports mm-hmm. it right. never used to be hand in hand but now it is now you see the kind of players which are coming up they are very well qualified and also very talented it has changed but again that scouting network is not there you for mm-hmm. example you go to delhi university you go to punjab university you go to right. any state university you have to go there and give a trial and there is a huge line half the time coaches are not there scouts are not mm-hmm. there even to look at whether what kind of players are there who are playing it so again that systematic failure at ground level has to change and then go there but i think foundations like reliance foundations like your uh, general steel so i think the other general they are trying to bring that change and they are setting mm-hmm. up things and also the esports is going to have that positive impact on indian football why 
because of the e-sport market and the kind of money which is there your real madrid barcelona ajax everyone is now going to come to india yeah, with right. their e-sports but they will if they have that market if they have that strong hold in the country they are definitely going to because you cannot stop clubs like these from setting up everything although they are there but they are mm-hmm. there in collaboration with others but right. we need that independence we need their independence of these big clubs these league organizations to teach that culture of football and scouting mm. and training your players from the let's say when you are 4 years 5 years old you have to be taught football from that it mm. is it is not something you learn in 3 years or 4 years right right absolutely because to have that football culture we have to have a very strong grassroots development program so that uh because i'm from up and you are from the also northern belt region from india and we say that the very few sports like cricket is something which is dominating into the in the northern part of india football is something that not every um, you can say we don't have such kind of good clubs especially from the up or bihar even in the delhi also we don't have a really great club one icl club was that delhi dynamos football club and it got dysfunctioned right now and we don't have any professional football club right now further if we talk about it the collaboration that many uh, foreign uh, football clubs have like liverpool football club they have this collaboration with the dsk shivaliks and now this that club is not functioning right now still we had just such kind of strategic alliances with the good european football clubs but still the clubs either get dysfunction or got bankruptcy process and this is a very sad reality right now into the what happening in the in the indian football culture we had a such a i think biggest population right now and uh, still we can't produce that pool of 30 good players who can play at the international stages and like i would like to add that biggest youngest population under 28 right. So these are the golden years of a footballer right these are the golden right. years of all the sports athletes and we mm. have that biggest population in the world we are termed mm. as you know next world leaders because of this young population but still where are we lacking what is the problem khelo india bihan did a lot of good things but still a lot of a lot of systematic corrections has to happen then only we will be able to thrive in this particular industry and recently sunil chetri also mentioned that uh, because of the because india doesn't uh, under the fifa ranking of 70 and he did get a chance to play into the uk in one of the i think uh, queens park rangers he got that offer however because india does not allow the dual citizenship if it was allowed at that time because we can hold the two passport from the different nation and maybe he can play at that time but because of the government policy that we have right now he couldn't and went play into the in the premier league and the qpr so, is the yeah please word sir with respect to this there is one more um fifa regulation which bars indian players because of yeah. if, i think there is a rule if you are not a footballing country which falls within 1 to 75 rankings yeah. mm-hmm. then right. the players from these countries cannot go and directly play in the top tier leagues they cannot right. go and directly play in la liga in your serie mm-hmm. epl specifically english premier league you have right. to first go to a country which mm-hmm. is under 1 to 75 then only you can take that indirect route and right. by the time you are taking that indirect route 
you are losing out on a lot of years or mm-hmm. your parents make that decision where they are uprooting everything and they are shifting to a different country and then you are starting your footballing career because again fifa for although it is for the welfare of the children mm-hmm. uh, or the kids that the rule is minors cannot be directly poached from a country to another mm-hmm. country unless the parents are also shifting to a different country for right. their own reasons and not for the footballing reasons and along with it there are four or five reasons which bars or which allows a minor to move so mm-hmm. again these bars or these uh, let's say the rules and regulations exist which are also trying to protect the minor but are also hampering the growth of indian football uh, players mm-hmm. right and i think only one player from india he went to the and play for the in the europa league gurpreet singh sandhu so he is the only that is for the men's league but if you look at women's then we have a lot of indian we have players. and women uh, football players they are doing pretty well if we see how it happen but still if we saw the last think, three one of the best examples would be i think everyone knows about her now tanvi hans who is doing great with sisters right. in sweat also so i think people are taking inspiration and they are she is also trying to change that culture in india right and for the grassroots program that india that we have to again go into the from the zero we have to start from the scratch because the last three event of the fifa tournaments we scored only one goals and we considered uh, 20 plus goals in that uh, three uh, three international tournaments and we have to see that how we have to because i think 2047 notification that they implemented which will implement by the aiff it can become the a very uh, game changer moment for indian football culture but it should not be the refurbished version of uh, that project goal 2014 which was implemented way back in uh, i think 8 9 years back so you have to see what will happen the 2047 because in the coming 2 or 3 3 years we will see that how our grassroots level program will be implemented exactly so, exactly or in the shorter term you need jose mourinho to park the bus for you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, moving on uh, another very important question so this year uh, it is very important for the motor sports even which will happen in india next month in 11th of feb formula in re- formula e racing will be happen in hyderabad and moti gp ra- racing will happen in the end of the september uh, how it will be important uh, to revive the motor sports culture after we say we saw that from 2011 to 2013 uh, the formula 1 racing events were happen in the both international circuit in noida and after that we saw that uh, due to the uh, tax dispute uh, formula 1 racing is not happening from 2013 how it will be, be very important for this year for india if they want to have that motor sports culture because we have some of the good uh, uh, motor sports driver who have the potential to to get a chance into the the formula 1 race in formula 1 especially so yeah please go ahead i think um, as soon as we talk about this particular topic right the word comes to my mind is stupid um, not with re- with respect to let's say you are asking me a question so i would like to make it clear that not because of the question um, but right. because of the topic which you are talking about is because uh, india has lost around 10 to 12 years because of it because of the right. decision which was taken back then in 2013 so this is usually my for one of the first classes in my elective where i take this specific example where i have to teach what is a 
game of skill and what is a game of chance right? right it all goes back to that basic basic arguments of deciding whether something is sport or not and mm-hmm. indian government not indian government but let's say up government specifically they ended up deciding it to be falling under entertainment that drivers do yeah, not right. play any role in it you have the fastest car you are going to win so <laughs> again like that is why the idea or that is why the first thing which comes to mind is stupid because of that we have lost an enormous enormous market world right. market which is there in in motorsport right if just just try to imagine if we would have termed it as sport back then we would have had indian origin or indian drivers driving in f1 or f2 right now like i'm sure like we would have seen that change because back then also we had that wave of people taking up it as a career although again i agree that it is a very specific career where you need a lot of backing economic backing investment yeah formula investment. yeah formula 1 racing i think is one of the most expensive sport and you have to have a lot of investment i, I think lewis hamilton when he started uh, into the motorsports event uh, he i think uh, invested around uh, 100000 pounds at that time i'm talking about in the 1999 2000 at that way back and if we evaluate it, it will be much more right now in today's culture yeah so um for something like motorsport to grow in india is going to take another 10 to 20 years my right. understanding is that although it's a positive move on behest of indian government or telangana government where they have agreed upon a four to five year contract and again mm-hmm. four to five year contract right not a 20 year contract right which, which mm-hmm. fia usually get into because fia is also not sure what is going to happen it is a volatile market and especially india and for mm-hmm. indian drivers to get into like my simple questions are these like why do we do well in cricket because the previous generations have that knowledge with respect to that particular field right. but if we talk about f1 or we talk about motorsport specifically do we do our previous generations have that knowledge to pass on to us and each and every person who grows up understanding cricket who grows up understanding for example badminton for example football do we grow up understanding the sport in the similar manner mm-hmm. we have to you know go to um, netflix tv series to understand what exactly this specific motorsport is about what are the rules about what are the technicalities which are involved for example mm-hmm. i was looking uh, or i was listening to one of those um, interviews by lewis hamilton and how his dad passed on that knowledge to him i think he right. was taking an example of you know his dad used to stand on a corner and mm-hmm. see where other drivers are breaking and his dad would stand 10 yards before it and he would give uh, him a marker that you have to break here you have to break early or you have mm-hmm. to break later i think it is it is about breaking late and not breaking early so he would go and stand 10 yards ahead of where the other drivers were breaking so they were slowing down he was not slowing down and he was able to get that advantage right it came from where he is a world champion he is a world let's say record breaker and he is going to be arguably is one of the best ever right uh, he is right. right there at the top with shumaker and right. i think in the coming years he is he is going to overtake him now or in the next next not now but in coming coming um, versions which are going to be there so it again stems from that knowledge which is going to be there but 
if i am coming to the specific question which you are asking what does it mean for indian market but again it is it is a positive impact and not just on the not just from the sporting perspective i think but from the sustainability perspective as well right because what you do in or the kind of innovations which will be done in a formula 1 e will have a direct impact on what is happening in the world with respect to transport because right. in because of formula 1 as well it happened right all the technological changes they brought upon in their single seater cars they were all all taken and they were implemented in our real world cars as well so right. from those two perspectives it is it is a very positive move in terms of it attracting investment because motorsport i think is going to happen in uh, boot circuit and formula 1 e formula e is going to happen in telangana so right. that pays for the growth of sports law for the growth of formula or motorsport in general in the country is is a positive step by the government and fia as well although like they were not at all happy i right. used to just read and listen to all the interviews which happened back then but they mm-hmm. are now taking a calculated risk and i was actually talking to one of the fia uh, lawyers so she basically mentioned that okay we did a thorough research we are confident on our tax lawyers like they are relying totally relying on the tax lawyers to basically find a solution around this particular debate of whether the kind of taxes which they are going to be charged or how they are now going to twist it around the fact that it is termed as entertainment although there have been talks in the past of recognizing it again as a sport mm-hmm. but it has been something which has not been talked about a lot but now it is a calculated risk but a positive risk which is going to again be on the lines of ipl uh, mm-hmm. in terms of not the teams coming up because mahindra i think has been involved since the inception of formula formula right. e yeah. but uh, in terms of the players in terms of our knowledge so that we are able to give it to the future generations because i understand right. formula one now i never used to understand it for example 3 years back or 4 years back it was netflix like i am ready to accept it that it is netflix which uh, generated interest for me and not specific the sport but Right. through netflix but i'll be able to pass it on to others so again a positive positive or maybe i am that person who looks it at everything and tries to bring out that positivity out of it absolutely and uh, we talk about it in 2013 if that if the motorsport hasn't been uh, bracketed under the entertainment sector we can see the un- a next generation of um, drivers in the motorsports industry from india and maybe some of them were ended up as a reserve driver and right now i think there's a, only one uh, indian uh, reserve driver right now with the mahindra racing i cannot recall his name right now but i think he come from the formula 2 racing because he was performing really well in that tournament i think in last two season and finally he ended up and he will get a chance to test that car especially the new car which will uh, inaugurated by the mahindra racing so let's see what will happen because it will be really important for the next 2 to 3 years but l- hope that uh, this issue shall be resolved as soon as possible because there are a lot of hopes right now because we see that countries like azerbaijan they also have their own circuit every year they saw that they have the formula 1 racing 
and being in that region and they are doing really well in that so let's see what will happen and uh, i think the number of uh, formula 1 teams will increase it will be be much we will get more drivers from the for the that uh, specific teams and that's the only way that the popularity can be get increases so it shouldn't be become very inclusive club like we saw in formula 1 only 10 uh, motorsports uh, organization are opera- op- are operating so let's see what will happen in the next month and the coming months that two important motorsports event so let's see are you going to watch it Definitely, definitely. Although, like again, no shame in accepting that I do. I'm not aware of who is driving and who the uh, players are. But this is the time to start, right? Uh, like we are talking about it being a positive step for India, maybe a positive step for us as sports lawyers. Right, right. So yeah, let's move on to a last question. So, what are your plans for the future, especially into the sports legal industry? What are your plans for now? Okay. Um. if i were to talk about my plans without giving away the proprietary knowledge or proprietary information the kind of plans i have in place uh, i think i think um, there are two things i have always felt with respect to the industry is that there's no specific or specialized masters degree in india with respect to sports law we see that there are sports management courses for example right. the institution i am attached with iim rohtak they are doing right. pretty good with their post graduate diploma in sports management then we have one is iism i think in in iism Mumbai. yeah yeah they are doing pretty well and the kind of faculty members they attract then we have fifa course as well but that is that is by fifa by an entity which is international in nature but right. if we talk about indian universities there's not a single llm which is there although you mm-hmm. get certain elective courses for example at uh, op jindal for example at where i was working because i was able to offer or you have tarun in in jnlu which is doing pretty good with respect to sports law as well right but no specialized llm so that is my um, let's say drive towards either government or private universities to push for a specialized practice course the, again there is no practice llm in the india in india right. basically so the idea is to come up with a practice llm in sports law where on the same lines although the practitioners are coming in and and dealing with certain topics not even subjects but dealing with certain topics and giving us that knowledge because yeah. right now what we do we go towards is day we go towards nottingham trend we go towards mm. i think miami is also one of the good examples of it but none in india and we are considered as one of the leading countries in education but mm. again and also like you look at ugc notification that they are bringing in oxford harvard instead of raising the uh, level for us which is which is i like in my uh, opinion is not a very good step to bring them here because those universities are also not be going to be very uh, let's say enthusiastic about doing that great in this country rather mm. than their own because the kind of business they drive from asia and india towards those countries is mm. going to be more more important for them rather than doing it in this particular country right so that is one thing and second is to be able to help at the ground root level like i uh, said 
from where the journey started where i used to go to district camps and talk to the players so again most of the players beat esports which i'm trying to build that a uh, particular area for myself as as a consultant or as a professional in the industry for both esports athletes and uh, the athletes about the rights and mm-hmm. basically having that access to that kind of a knowledge without without being uh, let's say without not without paying that high amount of money which they end up paying usually and they only pay it when they fall into trouble and not before that so it's mm-hmm. a, it's like a preemptory strike um, by india in india for sports mm-hmm. law yeah, absolutely so yeah that is for today so thank you so much professor nishant for coming on board in such a short duration and uh, having this session i think people will love and uh, because this podcast i think put a lot of values in regards to the, the international football culture which is happening in the saudi cristiano ronaldo deal motor sports racing in india which is very exciting for the coming months so yeah, thank you so much professor nishan any l- last remark that you want to add before we end this session i absolutely enjoyed talking to you um, and i absolutely enjoyed watching your previous episodes um, so for like, thank you for all of thank you from all of us to you to taking such an initiative where you know we are talking about interesting topics and we are talking about contemporary topics in the field of sports law and not just with the lawyers but each and everyone who is involved each and every kind of role which is there so i was i am absolutely thrilled to be here today also so thank you so much for inviting me and all the best for your future endeavors thank you everyone for listening to the end of this episode if you really like our episode make sure that you like and subscribe our channel also you can found me and sports law said on social media platform i'll put the link down below of our link tree link so that you can go and check us out and if you want to know what are things that i'm doing so just follow me on the instagram so it's a tk sports lawyer so just find me on, as well as on twitter and instagram so yeah we'll meet you in our next episode until then goodbye everyone